Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Misaligned podcast. I'm here tonight with Caitlin. Unfortunately, Ashley was sick and could not make it to this recording. So last episode, it was myself and Ashley, and now it's myself and Caitlin. So you're still getting all three of us just in pieces (laughs) these last two episodes. So we're going to start off with a little bit of news on some upcoming releases. Uh, Caitlin, I don't know if you checked any of these out yet or have listened to any of the singles but this coming friday we have allison weiss waves and a new janet jackson album that i did not know about but i did hear one of her singles and it it sounded pretty darn good so have you listened to any singles from these three releases i heard allison weiss's new single and i've always been a pretty good fan of a pretty big fan of her um just because i really like her as a person and I like uh, that her music is fairly unique so I did like really really like the single I haven't had a chance to really hear um, any of the new album in full yet Um, as far as Janet Jackson uh, she's got a track that features Missy Elliott and I haven't listened to it yet but I really really need to because (laughs) I love Missy Elliott and I, I just can't even really picture what that collaboration would sound like I could see it like on stage as a performance but sound wise like I'm not even sure what I'm going to expect on that right yeah and Missy Elliott seems to be making a pretty big comeback because you know she went away for a while yep and now she's back and so is Janet Jackson so I gotta do yeah I haven't heard anything from the Waves album but I put it on here I've never been a big fan of Waves uh they were just in town in Austin for like I think their show was sold out so Apparently enough people like the new album yeah. that they sold out a show. And I know their last album did pretty well, too. So I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to that release. And since we do this, sh- this show every two weeks, we will also add in the releases for October 9th, which we have Mayday Parade with another new <laughs> album. And then Microwave and Head North have a split EP coming out, and Run Forever's self-titled album will be coming out on No Sleep Records, which they're like an indie rock band for those of you who may not have heard of them, and I enjoy them. Have you listened to them at all? I've actually never listened to them. Um, I've heard good things, uh, but I guess I should check it out. I've not heard of them before, actually. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Run Forever. Yeah, Microwave yeah. and Head North have both that been I'm getting a lot about. of attention lately. Yeah. So that's what a, a side one dummy and Bad yep. Timing Records yep. co-release. Yeah, pretty cool. It's uh, I think it's six songs. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, too. three and three. Yeah, so that should be really good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Mayday Parade comes out with. I am, I don't know if they should still be making music, <laughs> personally, and the fact that it's on Fearless is always a little concerning. Yeah, uh, they've, they've just, done quite a few releases with Fearless now, though. Yeah, I remember when I was interning with them, it's like they had a lot of Mayday stuff, and I was actually kind of surprised. That's actually how I got a free Mayday Parade shirt. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Because when you intern, it's like when you're at the end, you get to take a couple things from the merch room as like your payment for interning. compensation, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) For slave labor. (laughs) As all internships tend to be. Pretty much, pretty much. At least they didn't have anyone getting coffee. Uh, That's 
That's good. Congratulations on that. Yes. <laughs> they had a Keurig. It was nice. Oh, hell yeah. We have a Keurig at work, but we have to provide our own coffee. I have so. one in my apartment now. I do too, and I love it, but it's different when it's at work. I feel like at work I should be provided free coffee. Right, yeah. But maybe I'm just spoiled. Yeah, my job has, like, the three coffee pots, and they just have oh, hell bag- yeah. bags of Pete's coffee, and then all the Ooh. tea you could imagine. <laughs> I need a new job. (laughs) (laughs) One that provides me with coffee. Darn schools. I know. Okay, so do you want to describe the collect records? Yeah, scandal, shall we call it? Yeah, so I'm sure most of us have heard about it by now, but the the drama of the past week was... um, the little turd guy um, who Mark... uh, Shkreli? Shkreli? Something Um, like that. Something like that. He's got a little smarmy little face. Basically, um, he is... Basically, a hedge fund recipient. um, And he is the founder and CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Um, And this company is responsible for producing a very important drug, Daraprim, which treats AIDS and cancer. And um, basically, this guy decided that the pill was being sold for too little um, and that more money could be made on it. So they raised the price from $1,350 to $750 per pill, which was calculated to be a 5,000% price increase. Way too high. And Yes, which, I mean, is upsetting in any sense. That's a drug that is so vital for the survival of a lot of people um, would be instantly unaffordable for most of them right for almost everyone who doesn't have millions of dollars pretty much right exactly or i mean a lot of insurance companies um only cover up to a certain percentage and once you cover you know deductibles and paying 20 percent of the pill like it still ends up being really expensive so that's it's upsetting in its own uh but then uh several pictures surfaced of this guy wearing like brand new shirts and um the kind of community came together and realized that this guy is also a backer um, for the Collect Records label, which right. is run by Jeff Rickley of Thursday, and also Texas is the Reason guitarist um, Norman Brannan. And so as soon as this started to leak that he was kind of this partner in this label, um, doesn't have a direct hand into it, but was funding a lot of it. Right, um, he's a, a silent bands, partner in it. Yes, yes, that's... a. The AV Club uh, article covers a lot of the information really well. But basically, bands started calling him out um, and saying that, you know, if something wasn't done or a statement wasn't made, that they didn't want to continue to be a part of the label. Um, So that went on for, I guess maybe it took about, it took like 24 hours, really, um, from when the story broke to when a statement was made. Um, There are a lot of people who were kind of talking a little bit of shit about Jeff Rickley. Um, but Jeff made it very clear the next day that he did not have any knowledge of, um, who this guy really was and what his involvement was in the pharmaceutical company. Um, obviously, you know, any small record label wants the money that they can get, but realizing that it came from someone who is so obviously tied to the wrong morals and values, um, you know, he made it very clear that they were going to cease relationships and cease cease partnerships um so hopefully that's the last we hear about that and it was also reported that 
uh, the guy in the company ended up reversing their decision. I don't know if the pill price went back down to thirteen fifty or if it was something less. Um, I didn't see the exact reports of that. Right. I don't um, but think it was just like a come very... out with the price drop just yet. I know they said okay. they were going to drop it, but it was never yeah. stated how much it would drop back to. And right. it's like Jeff Rickley has nothing to do with this guy's pharmaceutical yeah. business either. Like, right. basically, he's a silent partner in the label and just wanted to give Jeff the money to work with great bands and release good music. And it's not a, it's not a two way street being silent partners with someone. You could, he could be a silent partner with the label and Jeff could have no clue what he's doing with his actual day job and everything. Yep. Which is basically what happened. Right. Um, So it was just such like a quick media firestorm all at once. I mean, besides the obvious, like, terribleness of this guy then it became like a little bit more personal to hear that he was directly funding a lot of bands that we really like and you know jeff rickley who is a huge staple in the scene um so i think it was really upsetting for a lot of people but i'm glad to hear that i mean obviously that we knew they'd make the right decision and you know cut ties kind of thing so just definitely um i guess it just goes to show that anyone can just be a horrible person whenever you know you you see if you see someone wearing a brand new shirt and you're a brand new fan you're gonna be like oh man hey cool shirt and like hopefully find some you know community in that so just i don't know it's kind of a bummer to know that someone who values that music and values that scene is such a turd yeah and just because <laughs> it's one person doesn't mean everyone who knew him yeah is the same yeah. way sort of thing i say i my hope would be that most people who saw the picture of him in the brand new shirt were not aware of <laughs> brand new or anything like that which i'm sure was the case yeah i had no clue who this guy was before this story even broke so yeah and i just happened to be you know i'm teaching but my students were working on like a test review so i just happened to like be on twitter um and kind of followed it as it broke kind of thing so it was really interesting to see just like post after post after post of developments and developments and finding out more and more who this guy was and then just seeing the connection was It was just crazy to see how quickly it happened, but that's the internet for you. Yeah, so I have a quick question for you. Are you going to any upcoming tours that are hitting Texas? Ah, goodness. I'm going to pull out my phone calendar because (laughs) if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. Um, I did get to hit uh, Titus Andronicus show um, last week. And it was pretty sweet. It was at one of our new venues. Our beloved Red 7 closed down at the end of August. And in its place, a new venue has kind of surfaced called Sidewinder. So that was my first show at Sidewinder. Um, It was pretty crowded because it's a little bit smaller venue. Um, This week, I'm very excited because I get to see Brand New twice. I still haven't seen them yet. It's like every time they were in California, I was in Philadelphia. And every time they were in Philadelphia, I was in California on break. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. So I'm going to see them uh, for their Austin City Limits after show, which is on, well, it's not, I guess it's a pre-show, on the first. And then I'm going to go catch them again in Dallas on the third. You should text Um, me some videos so I can um, pretend I'm there. I I can do that. That would be fantastic. But uh, other than that, I'm trying to think. I've got the end of the month. I'm heading to Fest, which I'm pretty excited about. Nice. Haven't done that. Going to Gainesville. I'm going to go. I don't know if uh, you ever heard of the Polyphonic Spree. No, but, I have uh, not. 
They were very important to me about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, they're basically, it's the, the guy from the 90s band Trippin' Daisy, uh, Tim DeLauder, who is out of Dallas. They have, they kind of, after Trippin' Daisy ended, they formed this kind of orchestral, choiry kind of band, and they had a hit song that was on, um, I think it was a car commercial or an iTunes commercial or something called Light and Day. And it was uh, kind of a big deal. But they were really influential for me and my best friend um, in high school. So they're doing an anniversary show that I'm going to hit in a few weeks. So tour-wise, I feel like we don't have a lot coming through Austin until uh, Fun 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 Fest, which is the first weekend in November. So I've got two festivals coming up back-to-back, the end of August, October, and the end of or beginning of November. So I feel like that's going to sneak up real quick. Yeah, I just took a look at my calendar, too, and it looks like I don't have anything planned until November, mainly because having a real job, I do not want to go to shows during the week. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Like, I have to plan to take a nap before the show, (laughs) and then I also have to know that I can take a nap the next day. Sometimes I will nap um, on my floor of my classroom. Um, (laughs) Like during your conference period? Yes, I have one conference period that's 45 minutes long, and I'll either sleep during that or I'll sleep during my lunch, which is like 20 minutes. So you got to plan. Adulthood is rough. See, I can't nap, so that doesn't work out very Uh, well for me. I've gotten to be a very good napper. It used to be like in college, a nap was three hours long. And now a nap is like 40 minutes plus like a snooze. So it's it's definitely an art. But yeah, tour-wise, there's just not a whole lot coming through until after fest and after fun, fun, fun. Yeah, see here, it's the opposite. There's literally always someone coming through LA. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, everybody seems to come through here all at once. Yeah, so, and yeah, just like, the I good can't spend this much money to see all of you. Yep, like Kanye West just very played, excited for the festival. Yeah, Kanye West just played two nights back to back at the Hollywood oh, Bowl shit. last night and Friday That's night. Awesome. He played 808s in full. Oh my god! Both nights. I heard the first night was all right. I think he forgot some lyrics or something. But <laughs> yeah, my friend sent me some pictures of like all the people he had on stage and it was insane there was like one song where he had like a hundred people on stage for the performance that sounds like it would be awful (laughs) they were all just standing there like stone walls too it was kind of strange (laughs) that sounds about right though how much were those tickets oh i have no idea i looked when it was first announced and i was like yeah i probably won't go (laughs) so they were quite a bit I'm sure. And I'm such a cheap ass. I don't pay for I'm like, $25? No! Yeah, I was like, but why? <laughs> or the the fee is like $13 on a $20 ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No time for that. Yeah. yeah, so the only time I've seen Kanye West was when he was at Outside Lands. Because I went, I believe it was last summer, and Same. he was there. My- my Kanye experience is unique. <laughs> I, I was in college at Baylor, so I was living in Waco, Texas, which is halfway between Dallas and Austin. And he, it, it was 2006, and they announced that he was going to be playing a Mountain Dew BMX tour stop Interesting. in Dallas. And so my boyfriend and some friends, we drove up to Dallas to go see Kanye like play after a BMX show 
And it was the weirdest thing ever, but it was awesome because it was just the perfect timing. 2006, late registration, had just come out, and it was amazing. It was so good, and it was so bizarre. And um, I, I have somewhere on my cell phone, I have, or cell phone, somewhere on my computer, I have cell phone footage from my, like, flip phone, my Nokia flip phone or something of the show, and it's just, it sounds like shit, but it makes me laugh, because it's in this, like, arena that's not even there anymore, they, like, blew it up, and it's the same arena that I graduated from high school in, and I saw Kanye there, like, super weird, so, and actually, I just realized my dates were totally wrong, I wasn't in college yet, (laughs) it was 2006, but I was not in college, I was still living, still living in Dallas, so, but anyway, that's my experience there. Yeah, so speaking of Kanye, we were actually going hey. to be talking about Late Registration today as uh, one of your influential albums. Yes. So do you want to go into how you heard about this yeah. album and when you first heard it? For sure. Well, obviously the single from Late Registration was Gold Digger. And um, I don't remember if I heard the album or the single on the radio first because I had, at the time, I was dating a guy and they were all very big. Him and his friends were very big um, music piraters. And so they got all their music off like Pirate Bay and wherever the hell. I don't even know where they got half their shit. Um, But I remember we had like a little listening party um, and listened to the album from front to back and we're just like, oh my gosh. And I'm not even sure like who of our friends kind of found it. I mean, we're a bunch of like suburban white kids, um, who really didn't have any, had never really listened to much like hip hop or rap or anything in that genre at all. Um, at least I certainly hadn't. Um, I, I was still coming into my own musically anyway and had never really listened to any kind of music that was outside of the rock genre. Um, so when I first heard it, I was like, this is sweet. And then obviously Gold Digger got played up on the radio really big and I still lose it when that song comes on. (laughs) I don't care how overplayed it was. It was so overplayed, but it is so good that I don't, there is something just really special about that album for me. Um, I don't know if it was that it was kind of my segue into like rap and hip hop, um, because still to this day I have like a. I have a small number of like core artists that I still listen to um, and get excited about when they have albums coming out. Um, You know, and I've listened to College Dropout, which was his first album, and then, you know, Late Registration. And I I love both of those albums, but I think Late Registration was really like my gateway album um, into that genre. So it was still, I was high school, and, and that was at a time where I was still like latching on to anything that I could get my hands on to. And when I found something I really liked, like I, it was almost obsessive. So, so would you say gold digger is your favorite song off the album then? I actually don't think so. Okay. Um, it was I just the big radio like hit. Catchy. Yeah. yeah. So and like, it, it's a song that you still hear played. I was somewhere recently and they played gold digger and I was like, yes, and I still <laughs> know all the words and I don't know. Um, I think my favorite album or my favorite song from that album is Touch the Sky. Okay. Um, it's, it Great features Lupe, Lupe Fiasco, um, who I was never like really into. And actually, I think that song probably introduced me to him, too. Um, just a good song. I don't know. It's um, I mean, it, it won a ton of stuff, too, and it hit, hit Billboard and everything like that. 
Um, I don't know. I think I think that's my favorite. Yeah, and then of course you have heard him say with Adam Levine. From yeah, it's just Maroon like Five full of hits. It's and just like constant. diamonds from Sierra Leone, which the remix features Jay Z. So it's like you had a bunch of big artists. I think he even did a song with Brandy on this album. Yes. So he's right. very good at getting those collaborations. Well, and that and that's it's impressive because it's still pretty early on in his career too. Right. Um, yeah, so, like, looking at the track listing, Adam Levine, Lupe Fiasco, Jamie Foxx, Paul Wall, Common, The Game, Brandy, Jay-Z, Nas, <laughs> like, Nas, oh my god, Nas. I'm, <laughs> I'm already uh, forgetting if I said Adam Levine or Adam Levine. I, I don't doesn't know. doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Nas, though, that was embarrassing. I apologize <laughs> to everyone out there for my Sunday night brain. Um, I don't even have the excuse of drinking wine. I drank like three bottles of wine last week, and I need to get back on that. Um, but yeah, it was just a killer album from front to back. And with all the skits in between, like, we even memorized all the little skits, like all the little <laughs> vocal parts and stuff. Yeah. And like, um, Diamonds from Sierra Leone was one of the bonus tracks. But at the same time, like, it has like this whole goofy intro, and we knew every word, all of it. And it's just... I don't have a lot of albums like that, but they all mostly come from that same time period of my life, like 2004 to 2006. Like, that was my obsessive period where I, like, clung to everything that I liked. So, I don't know, it's very, just an interesting album. Very interesting and is impressive in the fact that it was, you know, his second album, um, College Dropout, really. I mean, it got a lot of attention, but not as much um as late registration and that he was able to pull in all these celebrities and stuff um and artists before it really broke so yeah so i just want to go into the quick discussion of old kanye versus new kanye because i so here's my confession (laughs) i've not listened to any new kanye okay i think i listened Uh, to Jesus once and forgot about it like immediately after that because i'm a huge fan of college dropout and this album i think the singles are a lot catchier and i feel like he used to rant a lot less than he does now (laughs) about everything it's so true it's very true yeah it was uh definitely more i guess it was before he like got his his big head kind of thing yeah, um, and I think once once he got a taste of the fame and everything like that, I think his I mean his outlook obviously changed and his content musical content changed too. Um, I, I listened to Graduation a little bit, and that's not even like new Kanye. That's new to yeah. me. Like it was after after late registration, and I tend to be someone who does that. Like when I find an album that I really like, I have a hard time, and I'm kind of scared to listen to that next album because I'm worried I'm going to hate it. And so I just don't bother half the time. So, like, for a lot of bands that I love, I have one album, and I've never listened to anything else. <laughs> um, which makes a lot of people really angry. Yeah. Um, my, my roommate does not like it. She always gets on to me for that, um, that I, you know, have one album for all of these bands that I really like. She She's a big Newfound Glory fan. I've only ever listened to Sticks and Stones. Because I loved okay. it so much in 2003 and just couldn't go- move on. And you felt like so everything I think else would be happened. a huge disappointment. Yeah, I did. And I don't know if it was or not because I never listened to it. Yeah. So I think the same thing happened with Kanye. I, I haven't listened to 808s. I barely listened to Graduation. 
um, haven't listened to anything beyond that. So yeah, 808s is definitely a lot different. It's like that's kind of when he started to experiment with a bunch of things. Because I liked 808s, but I haven't revisited it that much. Yeah. And anything after that, I just really haven't listened to. Actually, you know what? Looking at Graduation's track listing, I did like a lot of that. I did. Good Life, Stronger, Can't Tell Me Nothing. Yeah, Flashing Lights, Everything I Am. Yeah. Okay, that was was pretty. Some killer hits. I'll give them Pretty solid. (laughs) Yeah. His his album with Jay-Z, too, Watch the Throne. I would recommend that if you haven't listened to it. I have not. So that, that's, again, that is one of my flaws where I just kind of shut myself off to anything new. I mean, and partially because I'm scared and partially because I have no time to do anything um, outside of, you know, listen. You know, actually, I don't even listen to music during the week, which has been really hard. Um, you know, I sit at work and I, you know, a lot of people have the ability to listen to podcasts or music while they work. And I yeah. have children in my room and don't have that <laughs> opportunity but, I mean, sometimes I'm like, can I do anything to drown out all of your voices? <laughs> um, but I, I can't do that. So it's really, it was, it's tough to kind of keep up with everything. Is, uh, that's, I struggle with that a lot, keeping up. Yeah. Okay, so we also have an article to discuss this week. It's called Lyrics and Consequences, and it was posted over on saferscene.org.tumblr.com. Or I believe you could just go to saferscene.org as well and it redirects. Mm -hmm. And this was recently started to raise awareness and provide education about assault and discrimination in our music scene that we tend to talk about a lot on this podcast. So do you want to do a quick rundown of this article and we can discuss it? Uh, Yeah, so this was written um, by a guy named Alex Dancero. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, And basically, he starts out and kind of introduces the idea of discovering music. You're 13 years old. You are just loving, attaching yourself, finding identity in this music. Um, And he's talking mostly about rock music, not even specifically punk or pop punk, but... He, um, you know, he talks about how he idolized a lot of his musicians, talks about Fall Out Boy. He says, if Patrick Stump from Fall Out Boy had told me to jump, as the old saying goes, I would ask how high, which you know, that was me, uh, but with Taking Back Sunday and Adam Lazara. Um, <laughs> so as soon as I read that, I kind of connected with this and was really interested in what he had to say. And he basically goes to talk about stuff that we've already kind of discussed, the idea that, um, you know, the ex- exaltation of musicians um, has become really, really pervasive because of social media and the internet where we can kind of track these people, you know, if they're posting about it, we can track their every move. And obviously not all of them are, but there are a handful who definitely are constantly posting on Instagram and tweeting um, or who have blogs. So he basically talks about how when you're an adolescent, you know, how important that music is to you and that you take the lyrics to heart and you take the lifestyle to heart. And um, it says, you know, they adolescents try to model themselves after the viewpoints of those they admire the most, whether those are role models in their own lives or celebrities they look up to. And so that's kind of something I think most people have experienced. And I don't think this is a new phenomenon that there is a consequence that comes with certain kinds of lyrics. Um, you know, lots of artists have used their platforms for good or for bad and 
there are a lot of, um, you know, artists in the past, pieces, Bono, Bruce Springsteen, Pearl Jam, um, as people who have advocated for social issues and stuff like that. And um, he specifically mentions, though, that there are bands like, for instance, Attila. Um, A band not too most... many people in our scene like anymore or did you know, to begin with. Um, yeah, and, you know, I'd actually be curious to really know who their fan base is. I think I have an idea that it's like the 13, 14, 15-year-old girls because I haven't actually seen any of their shirts um, on my students. I did totally freak a girl out the other day by, like, um, attacking her and being like, are you wearing a neck-deep shirt? And she's like, <laughs> Yes, I was like, what the hell? This is so weird. All my worlds are colliding in those halls of a middle school. <laughs> but um, I see a lot of Black Veil Brides, which I know the music is kind of similar. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure who's listening to them, but they have such a huge, like, Twitter and Instagram presence. Um, and he, you know, the lead singer is Franz, they call him, Chris Franz, or uh, whatever, um, their lyrical content, like, has a lot of slurs and, like, violent references to, like, homophobia and women, and it's, like, definitely very negative. He uses a few, um, example lyrics, includes the words, like, sluts, cunts, suck my fuck, beautiful, just beautiful lyrics, um, and he's saying, you know, they have this mostly teen band fan base, and when you are that age, like we've said, you just, you absorb all of it and you see it as right and you see it as cool. And obviously, you know, when you're a teenager, like the cool thing is to cuss and like be edgy and be rebellious. And that's, you know, a lot of those kids are um, definitely attracted to that band for their kind of edginess. Um, but I think kids, especially at that age, don't always know the definition or the the line that comes between like edginess and I don't know what's the word I'm thinking of edginess and just social social inappropriateness I can't think of the word that I'm looking for edginess and misogyny or something like that yeah um and it's kind of that idea that we talked about it I think in our first episode that kids at that age are so vulnerable um, and that, I mean, their brains at that point in their life are just mush, more or less. They're sponges and they take in everything and they're developing their worldview and how they believe and, you know, t- tolerance and what isn't tolerable for them. Right. And they're still learning, like, what's acceptable and what isn't in society. Yeah. And they, they don't listen, you know, to their parents, and they're not listening to their teachers. Like, no matter, you know, I always, you know, I, I want to be a good teacher. I want to be a cool teacher that kids can, like, not, I'm not, like, a cool mom, but, like, a teacher that kids can appreciate and, like, look up to. Right. But even then, I know that no matter how much they respect me, what I tell them isn't always going to be taken as the truth. The, the, their truth comes from their peers, and um, it's it's kind of dangerous. I don't know. When you really do think about it in the lyrics, I, it's hard to remember what it's like to be 13 or 14 or 15 years old. And I think I, I'm a little more close to it just because I spend my day with 200 13 and 14-year-olds. Um, but I think that Alex makes a really good point that we really, I don't know, I, I don't even know how to fix the problem. Um, You know, he says, we can continue to bury our heads in the sand and treat these events and the frequent attempts by the bands to silence the voices of alleged victims. He was referring to a lot of um, the recent events. 
Um, but at the end of a long road of belligerence and hostility towards women in the scene, uh, hold on, I lost my spot. <laughs> anyway, we get the idea. Um, words can have, he says, devastating consequences. There we go. And it's long past time for the influential voices in the music scene to take a stand against everyday sexism and discrimination in the world, in word and deed. Um, in addition to instituting a no tolerance policy on sexual assault and harassment. Um, so, I mean, it kind of comes back to what everybody wants. Um, but I think this is just a little bit of a different view on where it's coming from. I think a lot of what we talk about and what we see that's being reported are specifically um, events that are happening where someone's been assaulted or some situation has happened. Whereas here he's bringing up kind of this ingrained lyrical content that's, you know, not just one instance. It didn't happen at a show. It didn't happen outside the club. Um, you know, it didn't happen on a tour bus. It's happening like on stage every night when they perform. Um, and I think that's something else that we do need to think about that it's going to be hard to change this idea of sexism and discrimination when every night, even despite, you know, what bands may say like, Oh, you know, we be true to yourself, blah, 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 positive. But I don't know. I think there's definitely, that's definitely something that needs to be examined. And obviously bands are going to write whatever lyrics they want to write and perform what they want to perform. But yeah, and I think it's partially up to like us, like everyone in the scene, that if there's a band like Attila doing stuff like this, it's really easy to just stop supporting the band, stop going to shows, and yeah. they won't be making any money anymore, pretty yeah. much. Like, yeah, you, and I, I, you don't have to support a band that is bringing all this negativity into the scene. Yeah, it's, it's, I. I don't know, and I think a lot of it falls on the parents, too. I mean, the parents are the ones who are buying the tickets to these shows for these kids. Yeah. It's not like these kids have their own money and have a credit card that they're getting online and buying tickets. Yeah, I feel like some parents probably don't even check. Oh, no, no, they have no idea. I remember my mom lost her shit when she walked in on me listening to the used, and it was like, it's four o'clock in the fucking morning, and she was like, it's this, Caitlin Elizabeth. And my mom is very cool. Uh, but she was not thrilled with me listening to a word that was screaming the F word or a, a song screaming the F word. So, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I know parents are listening. Parents constant. I mean, they have no idea. They have no clue what their kids are doing. They don't know what apps they're using on their phones. They don't know their passwords for stuff. They don't. Half of them are like, what's an Instagram? And I'm like, huh, <laughs> you guys are like 37 years old. You should not be this clueless. I forget, you know, parents are, as I, you know, as I'm getting older, the parents are getting closer to my age and it just, they're just clueless. Um, I think that's definitely a part of it too, is I think, especially when your, your fans are that young, that parents are going to have a lot of control over what you're doing. But until parents become more aware, you know, that's a whole separate issue. Um, because I think for the most part, I, I can imagine at an Attila show or whatever, um, bands and those kind of genre and that genre, it's not going to be a lot of people who are our age. It's not going to be people in their twenties, maybe a few here and there, but I think for the most part, we're not the people supporting those kinds of bands. Right. Um, I, like I'd be curious. The band's though, friends will be the oldest people at the show. Right. Exactly. And I wish we had more like data and numbers on, you know, attendance and like you know, even groups, gender like or age to groups. 18, yeah. 18 to 24 yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really helpful, but that, again, that's not, we don't have that material, so I feel like we're right. 
making assumptions to some point, but I mean, we all definitely know who the fans of those bands are. Um, and that's obviously who's keeping them and giving them a voice. Um, I'm always curious kind of about how those kinds of bands hold a label. Um, and yeah. who's, who's okaying this or is it, do they really care? They just, they just want to make the money. Or if the label is full know. of bands like that because it's run exactly. by the same kind of people. Yeah. You never um, know. I'll, Attila is on Artery. Okay, yeah. Uh, I was trying to find that and it didn't seem to be like blatantly put out there. Yeah, uh, it's on, it says their Wikipedia page. They have, um, it's on Artery. Let's see, other current artists. Alisana, Capture the Crown, Chelsea Grin. Let's see. Um, oh, a cool band called Fuckface Unstoppable. All bands I would never listen to. I wrestled a bear once. I know who that is. I yeah, I have heard of them and Alison. I, I don't like them. Oh, guess who's on there? Slaves. Oh, Joy. You know anything about slaves? I yeah. know a bit. <laughs> yeah, good old Johnny Craig. Yeah, okay, so it kind of makes sense that that arter- uh, artery label is not completely uh, concerned with how their artists act and behave, I guess. Yeah, not concerned with any sort of image. No, not at all. Okay, so we got... So uh, now I'm not so surprised. (laughs) Yeah, so this was... And now it makes sense why they're still relevant, I guess. Yeah, so this was a good article from saferscene.org. Again, we will link to it in the show notes, but I highly recommend following the site because they are trying to make the scene a much better and safer place for everyone. Yep. Definitely agreed. Yes. Which is something we need. And it's based, you know, it's on Tumblr, so it's definitely on a site where a lot, a lot more kids are going to be reached, probably. Yeah, um, easy to follow, just, and even if you don't yeah. have Tumblr, I'm sure they oh, have an RSS feed you could follow or something. Yep. So, so we got a def- couple lis- listener questions this week. The first one is from Mary in June. What's one band or musician who you believe has been doing a good job championing, championing? There we go. Women's uh-huh. rights <laughs> and equality in the scene. Do you want to go ahead yeah. and take this one? Yeah, and actually, um, the the Safer Scene article actually reference references one of the people that I think is doing a really great job. Um, Buddy Nielsen from Senses Fail um, has really, really been passionate about making his voice heard on stage and off stage as far as LGBTQ rights goes. So not just specifically women's rights equality, but just everyone rights and equality. Um, he has been getting a lot of flack from people for um, taking a stand for this. I mean, a lot of people as in like internet trolls. Um, I think for the most part, he's gotten a really good reception. Um, he recently came out and, has been more open about his sexual identity and stuff like that and has taken a bigger role. Um, and it's just been really outspoken. He's just gone on, I guess, I hate to call them Twitter rants because they're not rants. They're passionate discussions um, about the kind of things that we've been seeing in our scene this this past year, especially everything that happened at Warp Tour. Um, he's done a really good job of that, and he has a huge platform. I mean, since his fail, has been around forever and has a really big following Um, so it's been really cool to see him do that. Um, someone else I think has been doing a really good job is Jeff Rosenstock, um, who came out with an album this year, um, on side one dummy. And, uh, he's the former lead singer of bomb, the music industry, a punk band. And, um, he, 
first of all, it started, we had an incident um, at a show in Austin that he was playing where a girl was assaulted during his set. He did not know it happened until later and found out and took to Twitter and took to Instagram and um, really had a big stance on it was very I was really impressed with the way that he handled it and how openly basically feminist that he was um when a lot of people wouldn't necessarily be quite as strong about it and you know he got responses that you know were calling him a feminazi and uh, which is a phrase that I just think is so deplorable um but so he's done a really good job and he came back recently and mentioned these mentioned the incident and I was just um I don't know, it, made, it was one of the shows that made me feel safe, like that there were people there who were looking out for us. And um, I was also recently at the, that Titus Andronicus show, and um, Patrick Stickles, um, definitely he, he called out a guy in the crowd who had grabbed Patrick's ass, um, and he was not happy about it, and just kind of, you know, made, made some comments about, you know, let's make this a safe space, um, don't touch other people, that kind of thing. And it was just, it was very like straightforward and very reserved. Um, yeah. But it was still, it was cool to hear him say that. So I mean, those are just three specific people that come to mind. Well, obviously a lot of people, um, you know, I've taken to Twitter and stuff like that, but I really, I appreciate hearing it live and in person. Um, Definitely. That's, I mean, that's when, if people are going to say shit to you, they're going to say it when you're on stage kind of thing. And um I've been lucky enough that in both of those situations with Jeff Rosenstock and Patrick Stickles that there hasn't really been, like, heckling or anything like that. It's been applause and, you know, we're with you, um, which is a good feeling. So yeah. I think all three of them have done a great job, but Buddy Nielsen really has um, really taken a big stance on it, and I think a lot of people have been very appreciative. Definitely. So our second question is from at, under, or at bake underscore where, which is Truben from Sound in the Signals. And his question is, if you could assemble a dodgeball team with your favorite musicians, who would be on your team and what would you name it? So this was definitely a fun one to do. <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm pretty sure it took me like two seconds to figure out who would be on my team. So I have Green Day, just, you know, Billy, Trey, and Mike, Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, because who would throw a ball at Beyonce? <laughs> and then Macklemore and Ryan Lewis because they would just run around everywhere and you would not be able to catch them J <laughs> JT would just dance and dodge everything all at the same time and I feel like the guys in Green Day would be the ones who would actually throw the balls at the other team <laughs> so, uh, the team name would either be all we do is win 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 or so mainstream it hurts you nice I can appreciate that <laughs> So when I read this question, I immediately thought of the movie Dodgeball. Yes. Um, so my team name would be Nobody Makes Me Bleed My Own Blood. <laughs> um, and my, I, at, at first I was like, man, would I want to play on a team with like musicians I really love? Or would I want to play on a team with musicians who are going to win? <laughs> so I kind of did a little bit of both. I mean, I love all these musicians, but I was, right. I was thinking specifically. So, okay, my first one is Chris Conley from Saves the Day. Because he's tiny and I think he would be fast. <laughs> um, Max Bemis from Say Anything because he's big and he's like strong looking and he could probably throw a ball really hard. Um, then I pick Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill and Julie Ruin and Latigre and all that kind of awesome stuff. 
um, mainly because she's a badass. Um, I know she has not always been well. She does suffer from Lyme disease, but I think in her um, healthier times that her just her fierceness and, like, scariness would, like, scare the other team. Um, and then I also picked Carrie Brownstein, um, who is in Slater Kitty, also on Portlandia, um, mainly because I just really like her and I think it'd be fun to hang out with her. Um, and then I picked Lee and Mick Jagger, but from their, like, beginning eras. Uh, Mick Jagger, obviously, from, like, maybe 1966, <laughs> when he, like, started doing drugs and was, like, super skinny and could, like, jump everywhere. Um, right. And then my boyfriend actually suggested Flea, and I have to agree. He was also, like, very skinny and lanky and could, like, jump everywhere and was really fast. Very hyper. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's the rest of my team. And then I also picked Travis Barker, um, a little bit at Deanna's prompting, but I think he's a good fit. <laughs> so he's got really fast hands, and he's just, like, quick. And He can just spin and, his arms around and keep throwing the balls yeah, at you. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, he's, like, my high school crush. So I'd get to play on a team with Travis Barker. Um, so that was my team. And then uh, that was only seven. I guess myself would be number eight because I'm good at dodgeball, I guess, but not really. Probably. I don't know the last time I played dodge played dodgeball. I would just leave it to my team. Beyonce would be running around in heels you can be and heels and make manager. everyone look bad. You're I'll be the coach. Yeah. I'll be the water girl because <laughs> I probably couldn't even coach dodgeball. I'll like carry the ace bandages. All you would have to do is just yell at them to grab the ball, throw the ball. Don't get hit by the ball. I don't yeah, know how basically. else you coach dodgeball. <laughs> Throw wrenches at them, um, maybe? Well, I was going to say, I was like, just watch dodgeball, which I think I need to do. I haven't watched that in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember no, the last time I watched it either. my own blood. It's good. <laughs> it's, well, it's always on, like, TBS or whatever. It's kind of one of those things you kind of half-ass while you yeah. watch it. Yeah. Okay, so shall we move on to recommendations for the week? Yeah, I mean, my recommendation for this week is so helpful to everyone. <laughs> I don't know. I, I use pens a lot. I do. I love my pens. Um, I've always loved my pens. So my recommendation this week is the Inkjoy ballpoint pens um, that come in an array of colors, which are actually surprisingly long-lasting. Um, as someone who grades like 200 quizzes a week, um, I need pens that last. Um, so that's my recommendation for this week, because in the past two weeks since our last recording, I have done absolutely nothing but grade. Um, I have not listened to any new music. Um, I have not watched anything new, I don't think. Um, I finally finished Master Chef, um, which ended like two weeks ago. I really like Master Chef. Um, and I got a new issue of the Smithsonian Magazine in the mail, so I'm nice, just, like, nice. way up on the nerd points, inkjet, <laughs> or inkjoy pins, and Smithsonian. I'm sure so. we can find a nice assorted pack on Amazon to link to for I, everyone. That's, yes, that's Absolutely. exactly where I got mine. Highly <laughs> recommended. Okay, so I did watch a few new <laughs> things this week. Because Thank God. Fall TV <laughs> is now back, but first nice. I want to recommend better off's new album milk i've got to listen to this you do it's like i know brand new and jimmy world all in one and they do it really really well they played austin recently and i was going it was the night that uh red seven closed so i had to go to red seven's closing but i parked right by the venue they were playing at so i got to hear a little bit of their set when they opened um i guess for early november 
and it was pretty awesome. So just from what I heard, like it really made me, I mean, everybody's been talking about how amazing this album is for months. So I really, really, really want to listen. Yeah. The, the album art is like a nice, I think, quadruple stack PB&J yes, sandwich. Yes, which is <laughs> genius. I love that album art too. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm not a PB&J fan, but oh, it looks what? great. What? I'm not. I'm. I'm not a jelly fan. I will eat peanut okay. butter sandwiches. That's fair. But... That's fair. Uh, it took me a while to get on <laughs> the jelly train. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a texture thing for me. Can't do it. Fair. Fair. So the two of the new shows I watched this week were Blind Spot and The Player. So Blind Spot, this woman is found completely naked in a duffel yes. bag in the middle of Times uh, Square. Okay. Yes. And she's actually, for, for the Marvel fans out there, she's the actress who plays Lady Sif in the Thor movies. And I believe she's appeared on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a couple times. And she is fantastic in this. So the premise is she's found in a duffel bag in Times Square and her memory is completely wiped. And she has tattoos all over her body and it's one giant puzzle but in the center of her back, it says FBI agent Kurt Weller. So mm-hmm. basically, he is hunted down and she is taken to him. Well, not necessarily hunted down, but whoever right, found yeah. her had to find him. And so he has to figure out what to do with her and figure out who she is, more importantly, right. <laughs> since she doesn't know. And clearly, no one knows she's missing. Because there was nothing reported or anything. So that was definitely a great series premiere this past week. I said they played it up so much. Like I saw so many commercials and yeah. previews for it. Like at first I was like, oh, this is cool. And I was like, oh, my God, make them stop. <laughs> so that's good to hear. Yeah, no, I'm all about like the FBI crime kind of shows, too. Me too. So yep, I love it. But this I one, love it. it's like not quite a procedural show like law and order svu or something right right so it's like they put a new twist on it so it's not the same old thing over and over and over again yeah and then the player takes place in vegas wesley snipes is in it very important fact because he is Mm -hmm. fantastic in it (laughs) and basically he is the pit boss and he finds this former military agent who is now, like, doing security stuff for casinos. He, like, consults when, like, kings of other places and princes and sheiks and that sort of thing come to Vegas. Okay. He has to, like, make sure that no one can basically come in to kill anyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the casinos. And so Wesley Snipes basically sets this whole scenario up just to get his attention And he is what they call the player. So Wesley Snipes and there's a lady. They're part of the house. So she's, I believe she's the dealer. He's the pit boss. And then the ex-military guy is the player. And what they do is he's paired up with a criminal like each week. And rich anonymous people bet for or against him on whether or not he will catch the criminal. Huh. It's definitely really interesting. Like, I'm pretty impressed with the new shows That's this like fall. That's like a very, inter- like, very interesting plot line that somebody, like, came up with that. I'm impressed. Yeah. And um, 
he fa- so he found this card and it basically took him up to like the secret floor on a building where the house is. Mm-hmm. And it's super high tech and he can only ask the dealer for help on any of his missions. So he has one resource, but she supposedly has access to everything and anything. Basically sounds like a video game waiting to happen. Yes. Okay. I I feel like that could be a possibility, (laughs) but it definitely looks like it's very fun. And I recommend that if anyone is looking for some new fall shows. I also have a book to recommend this week. I have quite a few things every time i tried really hard not to recommend another that means you have like a life (laughs) i i was really tempted to recommend another netflix show but i decided not to because i feel like i've done that the last two or three times (laughs) so i read population wars by greg graffin and for those of you who don't know who greg graffin is he is the lead singer of bad religion which is an la punk band And he splits his time between here and Ithaca, New York. And it's not a music book, really. He does talk about his band life and kind of how that relates to the topic, which is more about, like, actual population wars, like humans versus the nature population, animal population, and that sort of thing. So it's quite driven by biology. And he actually has, like, a PhD in zoology, (laughs) which I thought was quite impressive. He went to school for 15 years to get an undergrad degree, a master's, and a PhD while he was in Bad Religion. That's awesome. And making records and touring. Yeah. I love hearing about bands and band members who are so highly educated. I just, I respect it so much more. Yeah. And especially when it's, like, the lead singer of a punk band, you just completely don't expect it. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he's got another book too, Anarchy Evolution, which yeah. I've read a little bit of. Yeah, he co-wrote but... that with someone, and this is the I believe the first book he's done completely. That on he's his done own. on his own. Yeah, but yeah, I was actually sent it so I could review it, and I ended oh, up sweet. with a nice first edition signed copy. It's very oh. nice hardcover. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, <laughs> But that's awesome. Like I said, it's very driven by biology, so it's a little bit of a dense read at times. But it's mm-hmm. basically the book I wish we could have learned from in biology class in high school, because right. it was the way he he like mixes the scientific terms with like layman's terms, so the rest of the world could understand. Yeah, I just, and, it sounds really awesome. It sounds like right up my alley. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend that. We'll have a link to Amazon for that. You could buy hardcover, Kindle. I'm not sure if the paperback is out just yet because it was but yeah, just right released. Now it's hard- yeah. Hardcover is uh, 19 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. Which actually isn't all that bad for no, a hardcover. No, because the, the Kindle is $15. Yeah. I kind of want to buy the hardcover. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when it, the Kindle price is really close, I'm like, I'll just buy the physical one. I love having physical books. Yeah. I'm that oh, kind of person. I have, I have so many books that I had to buy a bookshelf for my apartment because down at my parents' house, my books were overflowing in the room. <laughs> so I'd like I slowly did. I bring finally, my unread I, books up. Yep. I had to I had to clean out my, my shelf at my dad's. It was very hard. So. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, my parents will let me keep those there for a while because I do not have room for that many books. I have a ridiculous amount of books. There's no shame in that. I wish everybody had lots of books. Yeah. 
I, makes you I read smarter and you have a bigger vocabulary. That's yeah. what I tell my students. And then they roll their eyes at me because reading's not cool. Yeah. Do you use Goodreads at all? No, and I've wanted to. I'm so bad about finishing books. I have seven <laughs> books on my bookstand right now, and all oh, of them man. have bookmarks in them, which are mostly actually Kleenexes and $1 bills. <laughs> See, I only um, have one so... bookmarker, so that oh. helps. <laughs> Nope, I definitely have a problem. Um, so I, th- I thought about doing Goodreads, but my progress is so awful that I don't know if it would even be worth it. Yeah, I just like it because I can keep track of what I have read and what I want to read. Yeah, I do like that. Then I could get rid of my list on my iPhone. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Which is overflowing. Yeah, I think my to-read shelf is like, 200 books or something ridiculous oh my god i mean i've read i've read almost 30 books this year and it's that's only the end of september so getting a kindle really helped a lot with that because it's i'm like the old lady i won't use spotify and i've never (laughs) read a book on a kindle See what I'm gonna have was I'm gonna have to come to terms yeah i found out that you can rent ebooks from the library Yes, my friend was telling me about that today, and it would save me so much money. (laughs) Yeah, so I've been doing that because I was like, all right, I'll get myself a Kindle because the books tend to be cheaper, and I'm sure I'll save money in the long run. And then I was like, oh, my God, I can get free books. (laughs) So cool. Awesome. Which, I mean, I could have been doing with physical books this whole time, but then with physical books, I'm less inclined to read them within the three-week period or something. Yep. Yep. I'm the same. And Kindle, well, cool. you can read I'm... with the lights off, like in bed. Yep. You don't have to have lights on all the time. It's great. That is cool. Okay. I will. F- I, my <laughs> book talk is done now. So yep. we're <laughs> going to have, we're going to have a spinoff podcast. Talk about <laughs> yes. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. It's not real. I could probably do that. <laughs> yeah. No, don't tell me. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode five of the Misaligned podcast. I feel like I said that strangely. But anyway, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope Ashley will be less sick next time we record and all three of us will be back. Also, we will be starting the one-on-one interviews a week from when this episode is released, I hope. I will be doing an interview with my friend Alex Rudisil next Sunday. And it will be posted at our normal Wednesday, Thursday time. So look forward to that. You'll get a little extra something before we all meet again and do our regular episode. So thanks again for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Later.